out there, Mainlanders. It's time for another edition of the Mainland Podcast, episode number 70. I am Michael Citro, and I am the managing editor of TheMainland.com. want to thank Austin David for occupying the chair last year. He Last week, I mean, he, he picked up the baton when I was out under the weather, feeling pretty sick. I had a uh, sinus infection and an ear infection, so I got the double whammy. I'm still on the, uh, the antibiotics for that. Might notice my voice is uh, not... It's usual sonorous, uh, wonderful <laughs> uh, sounding voice, but uh, I want to I, I want to thank uh, Austin for his uh, efforts last week in getting uh, episode number 69 nice out. And uh, again, uh, I would like to thank Andrew Harrison, our regular intrepid senior columnist who is joining me now. Andrew, how are you tonight? I'm doing really good. It is good to have your sonorous voice back. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back. It was no fun feeling crappy and um, still not quite 100%, but uh, good enough, close enough. I can do this tonight. So um, so the team ends up the season. Two straight wins, uh, a 4-2 win over D.C. United. Wasn't their best uh, foot forward. D.C. decided they could either get a result uh, with a lot of backups in or they just wanted to rest guys, make sure they didn't get hurt. Playing very timid, as it turns out, was not the way to enter the playoffs for them. But uh, that's the way they chose to play it in Orlando City took advantage of that and also took advantage of a of a midfield that just played phenomenally, uh, led by Kaká, but also Kevin Molino, uh, Carlos Rivas played well, Christian Higuita played very well, and uh, Matias Perez-Garcia, uh, Julio Batista came in and played very well. Pretty much everybody up front played well except <laughs> for Kyle Lahren. Uh, what was your take on the game? Uh, it was a pretty solid game. Obviously, as you mentioned, DC United didn't have uh, its first string in, um, but everybody attacking played really well. Um, great performance from Kaká, um, Hagida, No Serino, um, Molino was also exceptional. Um, but the, it was a really a tale of two teams for Orlando City. The defense was getting better, but still not a starting quality defense in this MLS league. Um, but overall, good performance. Nice way to end the season. Two wins back to back. And I don't think it's I think it's been a really long time since we've been able to say two games, six points. Yeah, it's been way too long. And uh, it was nice to see them go out like that. Uh, they played that. You know, you could say all the cliches didn't have anything to play for except their jobs. You know, the, why did they wait till now while they're eliminated to play like this? Regardless, it doesn't matter. They they came to play when they really could have packed it in, could have mailed it in. I think it's a testament to Jason Christ and his staff that they did not do that, that they came out and gave full effort and and, and showed desire and showed a spirit and a will to win. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really something to see. And, uh, I mean, it could have been a much much more lopsided victory if, you know, Matias Perez-Garcia was absolutely robbed by Travis Wara. Um, you know, they hit a post. They had uh, Molino head one wide early in the game, uh, just wide. And I, I think they had a lot of opportunities there to even get more goals. And, of course, Seb Hines' baby soft back pass didn't help uh, matters because it handed D.C. a free goal that they were otherwise didn't really earn. So... Uh, I, I think it could have been a much more lopsided game. It was a total domination uh, against, uh, admittedly, not DC's first choice lineup. It was, but you know, it, 
it was still a positive way to end the season and it gave everybody some run outs. Um, we got a little bit more competitive and I think it really kind of solidified um, the moves that need to be made this off season. And so, as you say, give credit to Jason Christ for getting a team pumped up enough that we still managed to bang in four goals. That's mm-hmm. something that we've not really been able to do too much this season. So it, it was a really good, solid all around performance from the upfront and left some questions in the back Um four that we'll need addressing this offseason. Absolutely. Uh, what do you make of the the replacement last two games? Uh, no Alston Bowden. It was uh, the Ramos and Ambrose show. What did you make of, of their performance over the last two games, and, and what do you think of their prospects moving forward? Well, I think you have to say that they played really well. We went out and won two games uh, compared to the Bowden-Alston partnership that had been laboring slightly um, in recent weeks. Um, we were a lot more attacking. We were a lot covering a lot more ground with our wing backs, which is really the system that this team has tried to employ over the last two years. Um, wing back is a young position, and I think they both came in and did very well. They need to learn how to be able to track back and not get caught on the wrong side. As soon as they do that, they may be able to start, um, but I certainly expect to go out and acquire two starting MLS veterans on those wings. Yeah, it's funny because the center backs always take the brunt of the blame when a back four is not playing well. And and oftentimes it's a matter of the shape of the back line is not proper and it might not even be related to the center backs. The fullbacks have got to work in concert. The entire back four has got to work in concert. And if, if one one piece of that puzzle is out of alignment, then the pieces don't fit and you've got a problem. So, um, you know, that's something that Jason Christ will get figured out. It's a priority for him. And if these young guys are the, you know, are, if they are the answer or if they are just the future answer and someone else is brought in to, to handle that, you know, we'll find out what Jason Christ thinks of that because his actions are going to, to tell us what he thinks. And whatever happens in, the, in terms of going out and getting players, that's going to tell us exactly what Jason Christ thinks of the pieces that he has. So, um, you know, I did the, the player grades and man of the match, and I and I picked Kevin Molino for very good reasons. I thought that Molino played well, and I thought that uh, he was he was really a difference maker in the game. But the the week after the game, the more I thought about it, and the more I looked back at the highlights and the, and and saw some of the things that maybe I didn't catch live the first time, I really think Kaká was the, my man of the match. Uh, his his desire to score that goal was unbelievable he made two other goals one one with a direct pass and and one with a pass to set up the the assist and uh, you know for me uh ricky was the man of the uh, of the match Uh, i totally agree with you i think he put in an all-round captain's type performance um molino played really well but kaka just had that will and that drive that led the team to success um i also just want to give a certain honorable mention to christian Hagida and nocherino it's been a really great partnership between the two of them i think we've been getting a lot more attacking movement from our defensive midfielders that has helped bring close that gap between the offense and defense and it's been very successful and Having no Serino have the ability to pass to somebody who's young like Christian Higuita really strengthens his game and gives him the ability to marshal um, our half rather than having to spend a lot of time in the opposing third. Yeah, great points by you because one of the things Jason Christ said in his post game was that he told Christian, I don't want you playing even 
with Nocherino when the ball is in the offensive third. I want you to move up and, and assist in that attack. And we saw evidence of it. Christian got his first goal and assist of the season. He looked like he was comfortable doing it. And uh, Nocherino was bossing around the, the central midfield. In fact, uh, got a little cheeky late in the game and almost scored the goal of the season with a, a chip from beyond uh, beyond midfield that sailed just over the bar. So uh, a great game for both of the defensive midfielders. And I think if this is what Orlando City's central midfield is going to look like in the future, uh, it bodes very, very well. So we'll see if it's going to be a a 4-4-2 diamond or we're going to see if if maybe Jason Christ thinks I've got something with these two particular players and I'm going to, uh, to use it. Yeah, I think it was great. I would have loved to have seen Nocherino's uh, cheeky goal come off, but I think what was really good about that particular shot was that it shows that he's a defensive midfielder that is always looking around. He's aware of his surroundings, and I think that's really important um, for that position rather than just looking down at the ball and thinking, hey, what can I do with it? So it was really great to see, um, and I think this could be a burgeoning partnership. Young and old um, really tends to make sense in that position. So we will see if we're able to keep a hold of uh, young Higita in the offseason. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, big win. Uh, goals again from Molino, Kaká. Uh, we saw Krishna um, Gita score a goal, and we saw uh, Julio Baptista come off the bench and score his sixth goal of the season, all as a reserve. So, uh, productive season for the Beast in a in a um, sort of a mentor and and uh, super sub role this year for Orlando City, and a, and a nice. Uh, uh, piece on uh, why Orlando City should keep him was on our site this week by Saul Garcia, one of our new writers. Uh, be sure to check that out at themainland.com. Um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk more about Orlando City and and what maybe they should or should not do in this off season in uh, a little bit. Uh, but before that, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about the Orlando Pride, and we're gonna do that right after this. Okay, uh, well, Andrew, it's time to talk about the Orlando Pride a little bit. The NWSL team made some moves, and, uh, you know, this week they decided to make some roster moves. Of course, a lot of teams did, and they decided pretty much uh, across the board, with one exception, to um, pick up the option on all players that they had the option for and offer new contracts on those with expiring contracts. So, uh on paper, it appears that everybody but uh, third goalkeeper Caitlin Savage would be back in the fold. But obviously, that could just all be, you know, um, you know, cosmetic and work that needs to be done in the background in order to make some trades. So uh, I wondered if you could tell us what your thoughts are and, and, and you know, and what the, you know, what Tom Sermani's done this offseason. Are you surprised? Are you not surprised? Uh, what do you think of these uh, these announcements? So I found it a little bit surprising. I was expecting a few more people to be moved on, but obviously this is something we're still kind of learning um, the NWSL offseason, and we're kind of in historic territory going into the fifth season. No women's soccer had been past three until this season with four, and now we're into five. Um, but the NWSL... What was interesting was how many people we kept. I thought there was a lot more people we could move, but mm-hmm. since it's a game of trading... Um, I think we picked up all of these people to just be able to maybe move them on and pick up some trades for people that we need. Um, I expect to pick up some midfielders, um, even though we do have a lot. Um, There's definitely going to be some trade around the league. Um, 
other teams are hurting through retirements, um, not just ourselves with Becky Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to find it, it's a really smart game, and I think we're really going to relish having somebody like Tom Samani, who's very familiar with the women's game, um, leading us into this offseason. Um, I don't know who's going to be available out there. Obviously, we had him on, um, and he thinks that Caitlin Ford is certainly somebody that they're going to probably try to pursue again this season. Um, and also, we're going to have some breakout people probably from the W League, a very popular off-season league for NWSL players. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on that as well, because I think we may have kept some people back um, so that we can trade for those breakout people as well as they come available. The big thing for me is that the international windows will not be as damaging next year. Um, the other thing is that, you know, like Tom said, he's going to use his international slots wisely on talented players. And Caitlin Ford, as you mentioned, a, a player that he could bring in. He was disappointed in the number of chances created for Alex Morgan. And I think that Lisa Devana and potentially Ford would help with that quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, the team, I think, also will continue to uh, develop. I mean, he's developing players. Uh, Sam Wittemann went over to Cyprus and uh, scored two goals in uh, a very, like, about four-minute span in a, uh, a UEFA Champions League game. So uh, that's good for her confidence, and uh, hopefully Sam Wittemann will come in and, and play well next year. I thought that Danny Weatherholt showed some good signs. Uh, not quite as sold on, on Christina Birkenrode, who... Uh, in the early training camps, looked like she might be the best of the three rookies, but uh, at times. But I think that um, you know, trust uh, trust Tom Sermani to to continue to develop Weatherholt and and, uh, and Witteman along with the good nucleus that he has. And I do think that the team needs to add some depth. I think he'll try to do that through some trades. Uh, there's certainly some players that are expendable. I felt like I felt like Tony Presley uh, was versatile, but I didn't think she was a great center back. And I thought that maybe. Uh, she's a potential player that maybe some other team would find a use for if they play a different style. Uh, maybe she just didn't fit Tom's style. And mm. um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with with not only Orlando City, but with the Orlando Pride in the offseason. And, and I definitely expect some moves to be made. Um, and we probably will start hearing about some players re-signing fairly soon, some of the ones that have been offered contracts. Speaking of uh, the Pride, actually, uh, congratulations to Kristen Edmonds, who gets her first U.S. Women's National Team call-up at age 29. She's going to be with the team in November. Yeah, congratulations to her. She had a really good season, probably one of our better players. Um, great at the dead ball situation, and I think she's probably rightly earned her uh, trip to camp at 29. Yeah, it really continues. Jill Ellis is, uh, you know, her... Emphasis on on using the NWSL as a a springboard for feeding the national team. I thought that uh, some of the call-ups that were made in the October window were fantastic call-ups. Uh, Lynn, um, Lynn Williams, obviously a great player for Western New York Flash. And I thought that um, Kalia Ojai, I definitely wanted to see with the national team. And she's, all she did was score about 48 seconds into her first cap. So <laughs> um, not bad. I think there's some some definite talent there. And uh, Jill Ellis obviously has to look to the future with some of the, the team getting older, including our own Alex Morgan, who's, um, you know, she's not a young up and comer anymore. She's now an established veteran player and she will be with the team in November, as will Ashlyn Harris. So uh, three pride members to look for in those November friendlies. Yeah, and it was also nice that they've been trading off, you know, Morgan got uh, the October friendlies off, which was really nice. I think and it's important that this team... <clears throat> having suffered the failure at the Olympics, 
look around and make sure that it's ready for the next World Cup cycle and Olympic cycle and, and not be underprepared. Mm-hmm. And I think Carly Lloyd is sitting out the November games, if I if I uh, read my Twitter correctly mm-hmm. today. So, yep. um, yeah, it's 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 good because you have the the new players coming in, but they're still surrounded by rock solid veterans like uh, Becky Sauerbrunn last time out. Um, you know, people that have been around, they know the they know the drill. Um, they can be that calming influence, that uh, that tutorial influence on the younger players and the, and the players that maybe aren't younger, but maybe are new to international soccer. So. Uh, a couple of games against Romania, not probably the kinds of kind of opponent that the U.S. women's national team should sweat. Um, be the first two meetings between the two countries. But Romania is not a bad team. They're decent. They, I think, are, are ranked in the 30s uh, worldwide. And they, I, they, I think, lost in a playoff an opportunity to get into UEFA Champions uh, or the Euros. Um, coming up so uh, you know they're a formidable team they lost to portugal on goal differential on or not on goal differential on away goals so in away goals tiebreaker was all that kept them out of the euros so um, not a bad team Um, they'll be a good test for some of these new players that jill ellis is bringing in and we look forward to seeing what the pride is going to do in the uh here in the future and and hopefully Kristen edmonds will get a cap and and you know represent the team well yeah, and I think it's important, like you say, it's a good test, but what you got to do is you don't want to test somebody like some new people against teams like Brazil, or France, or Canada, Germany. France or Germany. <laughs> you want to give them a test and see where their actual level is, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. WSL is starting to grow, but you don't want to all of a sudden throw somebody in who's just going to completely ruin your chances <laughs> of winning a game. So you kind of want to hold off. And I like that Jill is experimenting with people because it does get – a little frustrating when you see people playing really great in the league and not getting a chance in the international game. Yeah. And, and you know, this I think is a good symbiosis between the, the national program and the NWSL. You want that type of a, of a growth and relationship uh, built between the, the domestic league and the national team. And I think that at times you, you've seen the MLS and the U S men's national team have almost an adverse adversarial um relationship but i think that the the women's side there they seem to be doing it right so um you know hats off to everybody involved and and hopefully that will continue to to be a good setup and and to grow the women's game to where you can pay some of these players a a living wage so they're not retiring to take an office job you know in their mid-20s so um you know they may be professional athletes, but, you know, you probably make more uh, in a good week delivering pizzas than some of these players make uh, in a week playing soccer. So um, just something to keep in mind. And please do go support the pride if you if you like soccer at all. Um, you know, the NWSL has some of the world's best female players. And and, um, you know, we're very spoiled to be able to have players like uh, Ashlyn Harris and Alex Morgan here to to watch um, you know, I guess what they have a 10, 20 game season. So we get to watch them 10 times a year. So that's not too bad. Yeah. And I, I just renewed my season tickets actually today. I'm moving down to the family end. Um, <laughs> what I will say this is if, even if you think you don't potentially like soccer, the women's game is completely different. It's, it's a little bit more cerebral. It's a little bit more tactical in in nature um and i i do i think it's it's almost a little bit of a different game sometimes but it, it's certainly fun to watch and and quite a night and day difference in the in the diving and in the effort i oh, mean you will not you will not see a team 
uh, I mean, you go back to that Seattle rain Orlando pride game in Seattle where the rain were up, I don't know, crazy five goals to two or something. And, <laughs> and it was the pride just continued to, to work hard. And to, in fact, they got their last couple of goals cause they were, they were working hard and they were trying and they were not giving up, even though, you know, the, the odds were overwhelmingly against them at that point of ever coming back to, to try to take something from the game. But um, yeah, I, I recommend it for anybody because, uh, you know, again, you, you don't see the diving, you see hardworking teams playing very tactically and it's, it's, it's high quality soccer. You're not going to see the same kind of screamer goals from, you know, 30 yards out. Um, you know, they, they don't have the same pace as, you know, guys like Dominic Oduro, but you know, and obviously Carlos Rivas and guys like that, but it's still a very good game. And, and I think in some ways it's better. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of parody in the league as well. There's a lot of great players on almost every team. So, uh, it's certainly worth going down to the new stadium this year, even to see, uh, the pride. And I think that new stadium atmosphere is going to really, really help that team next year. So, um, as will grass. Yes, and go pride. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, we, I think we'll turn our attention to the 2017 season and uh, what Orlando City has in store for next year. And I think what we did last year is we just ran down the roster and we said, should he stay or should he go now? Uh, a little clash action for you. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll just go down the, the, the player page and we'll say, uh, you know, what do you think? Should he stay or should he go? And, uh, you know, just briefly why you think so. And, and I'm, you know, obviously we're going to start with defender Jose Aja, who is here on loan. Uh, is he a guy you'd like to see back next year? I certainly would. I think that he can, uh, he's definitely a keeper. Um, I think he's a good person to look for either a partner with, or if you're willing, get experimental and keep um, young Tommy Redding there. Uh, I thought they played really well as a good center back partnership. I agree. Jose Aja should stay. He's uh, a young guy, 23 years old, uh, could still be better, just still really getting his first look around this league. So he hasn't really, um, you know, it, it takes you a good year to, to master this league, I think. And I think that he showed that, when he was on the pitch, the team played better defensively. He's good in the air, and um, I think he can only be better. His price tag's not too high, so uh, Jose Aja should return. Uh, Kevin Alston. Um, he goes for me. Um, I think you just – Ramos is, I think, his obvious replacement. Um, if he had more ability to play successfully on the left wing, I'd say you keep him. He's probably low enough um, that you use him as a backup. But I think ultimately the defense needs a bit of a whole hole scrubbing. So uh, he's a leave for me. Yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be turning 29. Um, he for me he felt he, he felt it felt to me like that he got caught ball watching too much at the back, mm. back post. Um, that's not something you want to see in your in your fullbacks. Um, I think that we can get uh, at least a player with more upside for the same price tag. So I, I think that for me, I would I would not uh, bring Kevin Alston back next year unless obviously it's in a backup role and you've you've replaced him on that side. Uh, whether it's for, through Ramos or through you know somebody that you've gone out and gotten a dynamic fullback, um, I think you need to make a move at that spot. Uh, which brings us to Mikey Ambrose. 
Uh, I think he's an obvious keeper. He We gave up some <clears throat> picks for him. Um, he obviously saw a lot of potential in him because Christ made that move pretty quickly mm-hmm. to stop anybody else coming in and getting him. Yep, gave up a second-round pick, I believe, for his rights, uh, for his MLS rights. And uh, he's a young guy, lots of potential, um, certainly still learning the game. And uh, great attitude, good kid. I thought he worked really well down the left side in that D.C. game with Kaká and others. Uh, I think he's, you know, definitely a keeper with an eye on the future. Uh, The old guy, Julio Baptista. I think you keep him if you really want him to be an off-the-bench substitute in those last 20, 30 minutes. You're probably not going to get much more from him. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember his number this year. My biggest concern would be where we are in international slots. If we want to get a lot of people from overseas, I think you ship him. If we've got an international spot spare, then he stays. Yeah, I agree. The the international spot is a big thing for me, but he didn't he didn't cost the team a lot of money. Uh, six goals, three assists as substitute is a pretty good return on a backup striker. Um, he's also a calming influence, a teaching influence. Um, other other guys look up to him, somebody that they can learn from. And uh, I think that the beast for me should come back, uh, depending on really kind of what else is going on in terms of of what's Christ going to do with his shape. And, you know, one of the things is if he goes to a 4-4-2, he's going to need more strikers. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously somebody like Baptista even has uh, more value to, value to the team if he's, uh, you know, if he's around. So, uh, yeah, I think that he's a guy that, I mean, you just kind of blink and he comes on for 10 minutes and scores a goal. So, um 90,000 was his cap hit. Not much at all. Yeah, I, and I think he's just, I think he's playing for the love of the game. Like, yeah. he's not needing to be on the field all the time. He's happy to just kind of dress and get 20, 30 minutes here. And he made us look better. I mean, when he subbed out for Kevin Molino um, in the Montreal, was it the Montreal game? No, I think it was a different game. Um, he just, he elevated the second half for us. So I think he's a good acquisition off the bench. But like you say, it's entirely based on what Christ wants to do for next year. Right. Uh, it brings us to Haji Berry. I think for me, you know, he's going to be a, a guy who's waffling back and forth between OCB and Orlando City. He's definitely a guy who you keep around and try to develop. I think you keep him, but I think you have to. He is GA, right? Uh, he's not listed as a generation. He's, no, he's not a GA. Okay. Um, I think you potentially let him go and sign him to an OCB contract specifically. I think he needs that year of development today and you can't give up the space um, right now. All right. Uh, Joe Bendick, I think stays. Yeah, that's not even a question for me. Uh, You know, Joe is a guy who I, I, I mean, I think I've heard the most, the most hyperbolic people are saying he should get a shot with the U S men's national team for me. Good shot stopper. Still needs some help with distribution. Still at times uh, gets confused as to when to catch, when to punch. Not perfect, but I think he was certainly uh, not a problem. I thought the goalkeeping was a, a, you know, a plus for Orlando City this year, not a minus. And I don't certainly don't blame him for the high goals against average. I don't blame him at all. <laughs> I, I, I Unfortunately, I don't consider him a contender for the U.S. men's national team. No. Um, I think there's just too many... 
great uh, young what you usually want from your goalkeeper is somebody who can give you five ten years at that position right now you're looking at a bill hamid kind of level of player um rather than a, a, a joe bendick who mm-hmm. just still hasn't got the you know you talk about distribution and, and punching and catching his positioning also was weak at the start of the season it got a little bit better but until he gets better people in front of him he's going to continue to have a season like this one and his one in toronto where he concedes or almost leads the league and goals shipped uh luke bowden He's gone for me. I think even though he no longer takes up an international slot, he's just he's met his level in this league. I, I agree. I think that he is uh, he's a guy that if you if you can keep him around on the bench, you do it. If you have a, a better option, you take that better option. Um, he's one of those tweeners. I think for me, Luke is maybe too good for the USL and maybe not quite good enough uh, to start an MLS. But he's. He's certainly a team player. I think he's a, a got a great attitude. He's very versatile, plays a lot of positions if you need him to. We saw him play center back. We saw him play midfield. Uh, we saw him play both on the left side and in central midfield. Um, so he's, he's a guy that can give you a lot of positions. He's maybe the guy you keep last. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's like that, that last guy down the bench on an NBA team. It's like he, he's going to have to do a whole lot of good things and he's going to have to co- cost you almost nothing. And also there must not be a better option. But, yeah, that's I'm, I feel kind of like you do about Luke. Um, Mr. Servando Carrasco. Who he is a tough one for me, um, but I compare him to Eric Avila a little bit. And I think even though. Alex is staying with the pride. I think he is certainly somebody who is on the chopping block as maybe a potential trade piece because I think he's fallen too far down the depth chart. I think Servando for me is a bench player. Um, a very, I, I think he's a very solid bench player. Um, but it, if he's in your starting lineup, that means your starting lineup isn't good enough, in my opinion. Um, I have nothing but respect for him. He's a nice guy. Um, but I definitely would like to see, uh, an upgrade from the position. Again, I would keep him on the bench if, uh, if, you know, depending on how many midfielders you need. And if certainly if Jason Christ changes his shape, that may not be a good thing for Servando. So, um, he may not be back next year, but we'll see. Um, next one up on the list is Connor Donovan. I think, uh, he's going to at least, need another year at OCB. He, he was coming back this year from a knee injury. Sometimes those take as long as two years to come back from fully. Uh, I don't think that he was playing at the level that he was playing the year before when he got injured, um, when he was playing with the MLS team. So uh, Connor Donovan needs to, he, this is a, a key year coming up for Connor Donovan. If, I, I think he's got to be loaned out again, and I think he's got to improve or he might be seeing his last days as a lion. I'm right there with you. I think he still has his GA contract, so he is kind of really a no hit to the team, but you certainly see him drop down. Um, And I think it really is probably his last chance saloon because you've got to test that knee. Maybe he does better on grass, and you can kind of see that level of performance creep up for him. Uh, Earl Edwards Jr., the guy who never plays. Well, I mean, I know he's really a – we still don't know enough about him, but I think if he's happy to be warm in the bench, leave him there for another season and, and make sure that he's ready to go if Bendik gets hurt. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the the previous coaching staff was certainly 
had had a very high opinion of Earl Edwards Jr. He's played very well when he's played in the U.S. Open Cup games and um, actually stole that U.S. Open Cup game uh, against Charleston (laughs) last year. So we've seen that he can stop shots and he can be very effective. Uh, Also stopped a penalty against Ponte Preta, as I recall correctly, in a in a in a friendly. Uh, So I think uh, Earl, again, if he's not going to be expensive, he's going to be the backup and he's happy to do that. That's great. You can get him a few games to keep him happy in the open cup and, uh, and down at OCB. That's, uh, that's a good thing too. So yeah. Uh, if you can upgrade the position though, do it. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, you're always going to want to have somebody who, if your first choice gets hurt, it's not that much of a drop if they need to put in the other person, but goalkeepers are goalkeepers want to play. And so you have to find somebody who's happy to be in that bench warmer role. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a fine line. So if he's willing to do it, I think it'd certainly keep him around. If you can upgrade that position and that person's also willing to sit on the bench. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking Clint Irwin, who got supplanted by Bono in Toronto. Um, maybe as you start to move it around and see what you can do. Uh, someone again, we didn't see a whole lot of Devon Garcia. Too early to tell. Um, once again, I think it comes down to international slots. Um, he hasn't gotten any opportunities under Christ. I think you potentially see him shipped out. Yeah, I wouldn't mind to see uh, see the, them move on from him. Maybe he. I didn't think for me he was great in the USL level. So, uh, and I know he's been a midfielder and a defender. Maybe still learning some of the position positional nuances. But for me. Uh, OCB's defensive the defense was just kind of a mess, especially yeah. after Mikey Ambrose was called up. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we can move on from him. Uh, here's a sentimental name, Harrison Heath. I think Heath is gone. Um, I know he's a homegrown player, so he's kind of protected under that mechanism. Um, I just don't see the club necessarily sticking with that, and I don't think that Kreis wants to potentially have that around. Yeah, this was this is going to be a very interesting watch for me over the this uh, off season to see what other people around the league think of Harrison Heath's upside. I have to think he'll be shopped. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if he can come back and help OCB, uh, maybe come up a few games when there's a knee an injury need. Um, he doesn't make a ton of money, so I mean it's not he's only 20 years old, still some upside. Uh, I think you can keep him around. Wouldn't really hurt me either way to see him stay or go. Um, Krishna Gita. Uh, obviously, we both want him to stay. Yeah, he's a stay with me. I don't think there's much of a downside to him. We're starting to see why the club brought him in and, and starting to see that trade value maybe creep up. Um, I want him to stay, but I feel like if there's a good enough offer, maybe he gets shipped, but I would love him to stay. Okay, here's one that the fans will immediately know what they want. Uh, Seb Hines. <laughs> uh, Seb has to go for me. The only plus point for me is that he doesn't take up an international slot. Um, but I think he has to move on. He's just not had a solid two seasons by any stretch. Yeah, Seb um, is... I, I really... I, I said this in the press box the other night uh, on, on Sunday. I said, I don't know how healthy Seb's knee is. I don't know how much playing on turf has affected his, his, you know, this is something that has been ongoing. His knee issues, you know, flare up and down and you don't know how hurt he is when he is playing, you know, when he is able to dress and play. 
Um, you know, how effective is he able to push off of that leg? Uh, I don't know the, the answers to those questions. He would never tell you that. He said, yeah, I'm ready to go because, you know, that's just the, the attitude he has. Seb Hines is a great guy. If you've never met Seb, fantastic individual. I couldn't you couldn't ask to meet a nicer guy. The problem is he plays a very important position on your soccer team and yeah. he hasn't been very effective. Now, whether that's his fault or whether that's his the partners he's been with, I don't know. I think he makes under $50,000 and does not take up a, a, an international slot. Those are huge pluses, but he's got to be a bench player for me in this mm-hmm. league. He's got to be an option off the bench, not a starter. If he's a starter again, like I said with Carrasco, if he's a starter on your team, your team's not good enough. Yeah, you, you got to make that upgrade. And maybe that's where the role is. You see him um, for the bench, but... Uh, you, you're just certainly going to leave him unprotected in the expansion draft and, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Kaka. I mean, I, I <laughs> first of all, <laughs> even if you wanted to ship him, nobody's taking his money. That's it, right. Um, so he's staying. And I think that if he can, he's going to want, I, I can't, I mean, he's going to be 35 going on 36, correct? Yeah, uh, he's, thir- he's actually he's 30. Yeah, he'll be 35. So um, I, I think he's going to want to go out on a high. Um, so I expect a solid season from him next season. Yeah, with Kaká, really, it all comes down to health. He yep. got not off to a slow start this year because of the of the injury. Um, when he was healthy and feeling good, you could tell. I mean, go back and look at that Portland game early in the year. Um, you know, you look at what he did on Sunday. Uh, when his when he's in the mood, he's as good as there is in this league. And yes, he's lost the pace that he once had. He sometimes doesn't shoot when he should. But uh, other than that, you know, you can't really ask for much more. I mean, he's he's been among our leaders in goals and assists, even when he's missed games. So, um, you know, Kaká will be here, I think, as long as he wants to be, given his relationship with with ownership. And, um, you know, so, you know, this is the last year of his contract. But if he wants to be back, he'll be back. That's just the way it is. Yeah, Mr. Laren, who uh, tailed off down the the, uh, the back stretch of the season, he tailed off, but he's still a keeper for me. Um, he's still got, he's still growing. He's still only twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a huge potential upside, and I think that he gets better. He's probably going to bulk up a little more this <laughs> off season, which is terrifying, um, and and be a force to reckon with the next season. Yeah, I like Kyle. I want him to be here as long as he's as long as we're able to keep him out of those uh, those European leagues. Um, he's a guy that I think that that if they if the clubs come calling from Europe, uh, if they make a, an offer that the team can't refuse, then they're going to have to pull the trigger. But I think they would like to see one more season at least in Orlando from Kyle, and I certainly would. Um, here's a guy who I really had higher hopes for, Richie Larea. Lorea for me um, is a goner. I, I just don't think he's been successful at the OCB level. Um, the yeah, he's just gone for me. I I've not seen any positives from him. Generation Adidas may save him. He may. Um, it may. He's he's uh, he's a guy that you can stick down there at OCB for another year. See if he develops. He's a guy that I think that uh, Anthony Pulis used. Um, to pretty good effect through, you know, typically about a 60 to 65 minute section of the game and, and then would always sub him off. He's a guy who's very, he's a smaller guy. He's slender. Um, I think he needs to probably get a little stronger. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but just a 21 year old, and um, you know potential, you know potential is, is through the roof, but he's really got to harness that. And and this is a big year for him, make or break, I think. Uh, defender David Mateos. Mateos is a goner for me. Way too expensive <clears throat> on the cap room. Takes up an international slot. Um, is aging and just hasn't played well enough for his money. Yeah, I agree. I think that Mateos and Aha together were a, a very strong pairing that was getting better and better. Um, but I, you know, he's again is a guy who's had some injury issues, and he's a guy who's getting up there in age and is going to continue to have injury issues. Um, and, and but I think you hit the nail in the head when you said for what he makes, because mm. for what for what he makes, that same salary should buy you a very very top quality starting defender uh, in MLS. It, it, it buys you a free agent, like a Drew Moore kind of quality talent, um, mm-hmm. rather than a, a a second division Spanish player who didn't make it up. I mean, I think that's what we're talking about is he didn't make it up at that level. Mm-hmm. Why would why would be paying him so much here? Well, and I think Christ is a guy who also knows the value of you know you know of of how Toronto fix their defense. He knows the value of get guys that have been around the league understand the league, know the players in the league, know the game, know the travel, know everything about, you know, what it takes to be successful in this league. And not only are you going to save money, but you're going to actually have a better player in that position. So, um, and probably not take up an international slot. So I, I think that, yeah, for me, David Mateos is, um, his, his, his stay here is probably over, but if it's not, I think that he, he and aha, if, if they can both stay healthy, I think are, are a, about as solid a pairing as we've had so far in the two years, but that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not a great like. Oh yes, we must keep him kind of right. scenario. Right. It's like okay, if 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 we can't get better, then you know at least there's that. Kevin Molino. I waver on Kevin a little bit. I know that's probably going to shock some people. Um, his commitment is there. It's whether or not he fits crisis system. I think he's on the trade block, but not an automatic leave. Yeah, I kind of think that here's my take on Kevin Molino. If you don't play defense for Jason Christ, you are not going to be a favorite of his. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, when he is in the mood to play defense, is very good at it. Um, he was doing a good job of that Sunday. We would drop back and nick the ball away from somebody before they could break out. I thought he was doing a good job of that and getting into passing lanes. When he's in the mood to play defense, he can do it very well. The problem is he goes through lulls in games where he doesn't really hustle, doesn't really continue to that that solid work ethic that you'd like to see, that Jason Christ certainly would like to see. I don't know if he's a Jason Christ player. That's not yep. to say that Kevin's not a great player, because he is. It's not to say that he's not a talented player, because he is. And it's not to say that he's not a good person. It's just that you know sometimes coaches and players don't have the same um they're just not simpatico you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i think that potentially kevin is one of those guys no one questions his ability he's fantastic but i do think that if you can trade kevin molino and shore up two spots i think you do that Uh, without a doubt and that's why like i'm loath to say that he's leaving but i think if you can get enough of a a trade from him from a team like a toronto or somebody who's trying to maybe support something or a Columbus who's had a bit of a bad season, um, I think you make that trade. 
All right, here's a guy who makes a lot of money, but certainly earned it down the stretch. Is Antonio Nocherino? Uh, ask me this three weeks ago, and he's a certain goner. Uh, I think, as I said earlier in the podcast, he is he understands Christ's system. I think that he has certainly staked his claim to potentially one of those valuable international slots and stays. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously you can you can rail about what he makes, but I mean that's why the teams have allocation money and things like that. So um, I, I think for what he gives this team, he's he's been a good addition. Now you would not have said that after a couple of months, uh, and mm-hmm. certainly he never seemed to to grasp what what Adrian Heath was trying to sell. Uh, but ever since Jason Christ got here, and, and even Jason Christ in his first game said he. If you would have told him he would have started Nocherino his first game, he would have been surprised by that. But now you'd be surprised if Antonio's not in the lineup um, and, and maybe even disappointed because he's really been a boss in that central midfield uh, down the last couple of months. I, I think that he's earned his place. He's certainly won back the fans that were at his throats earlier in the season. Um, you know, he, he almost was a like a like a twice of what Adrian Vinter was like. He got twice the hate almost that Adrian Vinter got. And now he's almost back to the level of, of the love that Adrian Vinter got when he was, you know, uh, before he got, uh, went back home. So I think that he's a guy who Antonio is a guy who I think probably will be back. If he's not back, it's probably because of the price tag. Yeah, but like you say, this this time this targeted allocation money. I think you can move some people around. I mm-hmm. think uh, we're going to get to a person whose name starts with an S sooner rather than later, <laughs> uh, and you may be able to make some space there. Yeah, uh, Matias Perez Garcia. Uh, I think he's a keeper. I don't think Christ goes out and trades from necessarily, but you either have to move that DP tag off him or San Jose has to continue to eat it um, to make that a worthwhile move for us. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to say automatic stay, automatic go. I think there's so much that's got to move around in that trade to make it worth it for us. Yeah, I think they need to pay him down if he stays, but I, I do think Jason Christ will keep him because I think – Jason Christ coveted him for so long, like even back when he was in Salt Lake, uh, that now that he has him, he definitely wants to see what he can do with him. And and, and for his part, I thought MPG played very well since the trade. So, um, yeah, let's bring him back in. We'll see how it goes next year. And if things aren't working out, then you can move him in the, the midseason window. Uh, brings us to Rafa Ramos. Uh, I think you keep him. I think he's probably gotten a lot better after his injury. Um, and I think he upgrades that right back slot over Alston, as we were talking about before. I think he also makes low enough money that he's probably worthwhile keeping around, even if it's only the mid-season next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get a European trade for him. Yeah, Ramos makes 96000 Um Not an expensive player, but certainly a player that you want to see more development from him emotionally and defensively. He's got the offensive stuff covered. He's very good at getting forward. Uh, still could use uh, a little bit better crossing of the ball, but his, but his, uh, his on-ground passing is fine. And uh, we saw examples of that on, on Sunday. He did, did quite well in that, as he usually does. And again, moving forward, good player. Going back into his own end, still has some problems for me. And uh, you need to give him a little bit more time. But I think he's a guy that you need to stick behind a really solid fullback and let him learn the game. I, I don't think that he's a guy that you want necessarily starting at age 21. Um, 
but that's not my call. I want to see what Christ can do in, in terms of bringing in some from some. That's been my rallying call for two years. Let's get some awesome fullbacks in here. And we haven't had awesome fullbacks. We've had, you know, serviceable fullbacks at, at best at times. So uh, brings us to a center back. Another young guy, Tommy Redding, only 19 years of age. I think you keep Redding. He's a local. Um, there's not much downside to him. He's still got a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Really young age. Um, and I think what he has is a good brain for the game. And you can you can teach people a lot of things, but you've got to have vision and the mentality to play this game. And that's his plus for me. So he's a definite keeper. Very tenacious, uh, very good feet. And I think the and obviously young with a lot of upside. And he is, I think, the future at center back for Orlando City must get better in the air. For a tall kid, yes, he has to. I think he's got to bulk up a little bit to be able to outmuscle some people um, when it counts. And just to learn the nuances, when to bump a guy before the jump and that kind of thing. You know, just those little those little movements that you can get the guy off his you know off his game or mess up his timing just just enough. That's the kind of thing that he needs to learn. Um, the final holdover from the expansion draft, Pedro Ribeiro. Ribeiro is gone for me. He's just he's he's this year's Tony Cassio and and we should wave him adieu. <laughs> I don't think Pedro will be back. Um, it's <laughs> it's unfortunate. Uh, he really came into this season looking like a new man in a new position at defensive midfield. Uh, and then the injury, the back injury uh, happened. And, you know, he's it's a shame because he is one of those guys. Again, he could be one of the last guys on your bench. Maybe he doesn't dress for every game, but he's a guy that can play so many positions. He could even play center back if you need him to. So uh, he's one of those guys where, again, if he's the last guy on your bench, you're kind of okay with that. You just don't want him to have a big, big role. He only makes 63000 So dirt cheap. I mean, and, and okay, that's an upside. The problem <clears throat> is, I think, does he still take an international slot? Don't believe he does. Maybe he's um, been here long enough. I can never remember. Yeah. But I, he's I, not he, listed as an international on their on their website. So okay, he's probably doing pretty well. But I just don't think you keep him um, around. All right, so I'm going to skip one guy in the middle of these two next guys. I'm going to say because I'm going to throw these out here together. The two young defensive uh, or the two young designated players, Carlos Rivas and Brian Roach, has very different tracks this year. But at the same time, both immensely talented young guys. Both immensely talented, but I, I'm going to put them in my failure to launch category for both <laughs> of them. Um, and I, I keep hopping on about this. I feel like the, 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 the DP slot is a specific mechanism for this league. Um, and the only way I think that either of these players stay is if you can buy them out of that slot. Um, otherwise, I think that Rochez has had some success back with his team in Honduras. You maybe see if you can just get back what you gave to get rid of him. Um, Rivas has to be bought down. Otherwise, he's he's a strictly goner for me. Mm-hmm. Rochez is 21. Rivas is 22. These are guys that I... Here's a very telling quote from, from uh, Jason Christ a few weeks ago. He said that your designated player slots... You don't. You only have a few of them. They're very valuable slots, and you need those positions to be, you know, very uh, have get very big contributions from those slots. These guys are not making very big contributions. So I agree with you. If they're to stay, they need to be bought out of those designations so they can be used elsewhere. 
Yep. And, and, and I think you, you, you kind of say that, you know, he's talking about how important these are, and yet Rochez started the season in OCB, and he didn't even perform well in OCB. Yes, it was because he didn't want to be there, but I also don't want a player that doesn't want to play for this club, regardless of where it is or what. Because the front office believes that you need, and the coaching staff believe you need to get better. And if you don't want to, then don't pull on the shirt. Yep. Uh, so hopefully he's done some maturing and, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, th- I, my gut is that they tried to move Rochez in the off season. Um, my gut also says that they look to keep Rivas, but maybe slide him out of that DP slot. And I'm okay with that. That would be a good scenario. Tony Rocha. Uh, same kind of principle as Ambrose. I think you, you, we traded for him to keep people away from him this off season. Um, unlikely to go. And I think he's low enough. You keep him. I think so too, and I. Th- but I think that if your team is as talented as you would like your MLS team to be, I would like to see him loaned to OCB for the full season next year. And I think that's the problem. Is we keep talking about we keep talking about OCB. We need to fill MLS roster slots. We can go out and fill the USL <laughs> roster with a bunch of players. Yeah, yeah. And we we've got to get MLS quality talent and. And that's where we have to be. And we keep saying, you know, if he's playing, if he's starting, then we've got a problem. And that's kind of where I put Rocha in. He had a bad substitute appearance the first time he, the first game he came up. Um, and he's kind of been pulled back a little bit. Ambrose has been thrown there more in. Um, but I don't see him giving, a, I, I see he gets at least another opportunity. Well, when, and I, I have to clarify, when I say that I think they should loan him to OCB, it's not because I think he's not capable of being a good MLS player. I don't think he's an MLS player right now. Mm-hmm. I think that he is a guy who could become an MLS player. And I do think that you're, you're, the reason you have your OCB is to develop these players. Let Anthony Pulis develop him. Give him playing time. He's not going to learn anything either sitting on the bench and coming on for 15 minutes or not even dressing. So why yeah. not play him? I mean, he, he, he made heads turn because of his play at OCB. And that's what you need to continue to build on, not just to, you know, when he's ready, he'll step into the role you want him to step into. But I just don't think he's quite there yet. Uh, I think he's capable of getting there. And I, and I certainly think that Adrian Heath was very high on him. And, you know, my preseason prediction was he would play five games for the senior team. And he did that. So, um, you know, I think that he's a guy that, uh, again, I think he's not ready yet for MLS, but I think he could be. So I think you have to stick him somewhere. So you stick him at OCB and, and hope to continue his development. So that's just my take on it. I, I think it's a pretty solid take. I, I just <laughs> it, it's where do it's where do we find that equilibrium? And, and it's the difference between having Christ, I think, who's coached in MLS before and understands the mechanisms a little more mm-hmm. um, than Adrian Heath, who was in USL and it didn't really have much you could basically do whatever you wanted as long <laughs> as you could afford it yeah and 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 this is where it really comes down to having an experienced off-season MLS coach and seeing what we can do all right here's the S name you were hinting at Breck <laughs> Shea Mr. Shea he is too expensive not enough productivity he for me is somebody we ship out or oh, we hope that Paul McDonough loves him so much that he takes him in the expansion draft. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what is starting 
or has been the starting selections for Jason Kreiss. Um, I don't know how much you can read into it because, you know, obviously there's some part of that is looking at players to see what they're going to do in certain situations, seeing what they're capable of doing, seeing players that you're not as familiar with. I'm sure Jason Kreiss knows everything there is to know about Breck Shea. But at the same time, if if he's not a starter, he is too expensive to keep. He cannot you cannot have, you know, backup players, you know, very talented backup players, guys that will run their tails off, guys that will just run their lungs out till they, you know, far beyond the capacity of what you think they can do. But for five hundred and ninety five thousand dollars guaranteed, you can't have that player off the bench. I mean, it's a great luxury if you can, <laughs> but I don't think this team has that kind of luxury. And, and I, sir, I, I do expect some movement from Shea. Uh, I don't know what his contract situation is beyond this year. So uh, we'll have to see what, what happens, but I, I would not be surprised to see him in another uniform uh, next season. Um, that brings us to uh, somebody who hasn't played at all for anybody is Mason Stodjahar, his uh, the homegrown goalkeeper. He's only 18 years old. Um, technically is is a member of the senior team, uh, but it's not been has not been seen anywhere <laughs> except for on the training grounds. And um, you know he's just it's just way too early to start seeing him on the field. So I'm sure he'll be around. Um, again in training and maybe he'll maybe he'll get some starts uh, for OCB next year. Yeah, I mean he's one of those guys that he's just so young right now. Oh my my god, my god, he's almost half my age. Yeah. Like I, he's he's going to be somebody who's going to be around for a long time. Um, obviously OCB in the USL is expanding. Mm-hmm. Expect lots of roster moves down there. Maybe he gets a few more minutes next season. Um, growing with OCB. Yeah, I think the plan this year was not to play him at all. That's why they brought in Ridgers. That's why they brought in Fenlayson. And, and um, you know, he, the 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 goal was just get him signed, lock him up, and you know, as as your homegrown player, and then just develop him, train him, let him train with the with the club, and and uh, learn the game and learn from your your coaches and and um, you know, continue to get better. He's 18 years old. He's not going to see the light of day probably even much at an age 19 so um you know mason will be around a bit so uh he'll be on the another name on the roster and on the on the salary list that we don't see a whole lot from next year <laughs> unless things go horribly wrong in the injury department uh so mason will be back i think um and that brings us to tyler turner a right back who has played in the homegrown game the last two years uh what do you think andrew He's he's such a difficult one because we didn't really see him start many minutes for the main side, even though at times Kevin Alston looked like he was running on fumes. Um, he, he's going to be one of those people that if we bring him back, he's going to spend a lot of time in OCB. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have to run the risk of letting him go and signing some of these guys to OCB contracts, and he might be one of them. Yeah, I, I don't. Tyler Turner for me is a player who I think doesn't doesn't look to me like a future MLS player. I don't know that he's got the pace to play right back in MLS, at least not for a team that likes their fullbacks to get up the field. Um, you know, maybe he he's a maybe more of a four four two right back. Um, I don't know. For me, I, I've never seen enough from Tyler Turner 
to say, yeah, we we need to hang on to him. But he is just 20, so I mean, it's it's entirely possible there's some stuff there that I just haven't seen. I mean, I don't see him on the training ground every day. I don't really know what Jason Christ thinks of him. I I've really never asked Jason about Tyler Turner, but I'm sure that he has a good idea of what every player that Anthony Peel has coached this year can do and what they can't do. So um, I think this off season will tell us what Jason Christ thinks of Tyler Turner. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny that you bring up Tyler Turner because I had to think for a second, is he still with the MLS side? Because he's kind of one of those players that's gravitated so close to OCB Mm -hmm. that you when you talk about him as an MLS player and we only have 25 spots you have to start thinking about where what those spots are worth mm-hmm. $63,000 for his slot <laughs> so that's what he makes and um, you know that's that's a drop in the bucket uh, in terms of MLS salary that's second lowest on I think second lowest only to uh, the 51,000 that Mason Stajahar got this year uh, while he finishes high school. But yeah, <laughs> if I was 18 making $51,000 in this country, I'd be happy to. Yeah. I made three twenty-five an hour when I was that age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, granted, I didn't stay in as good a shape as Mason probably does either. Um, but uh, you know, washing dishes at Arby's, man, that's what I was doing at age 18. So um Anyway, that's it. We've made it through the roster, and that's who we think is going to stay and who we think is going to go. And, um, you know, we'll find out how wrong we are in this offseason. But um, that, uh, that'll just about do it for this episode, episode number 70 of the Mainland Podcast. Again, I appreciate uh, Austin David last week uh, picking up the, the reins for me and, and, and um, or picking up the baton and, and moving on. And, and, um, Appreciate you, Andrew Harrison. In fact, very, very sad podcast for me and that you're leaving our site and, and this is our last broadcast together. Yeah, I've got some personal stuff coming up and it's just, uh, it's going to be too much to continue, but I've really enjoyed my time um, with the site. I've really enjoyed doing the podcasts and making people listen to me drivel on about sports for an hour um, and giving my take on Orlando City and all things that go with MLS. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to me. Um, and it's been a really great partnership with me and Michael, I think. Well, we're going to have to find somebody to do a British <laughs> British accent uh, after you're gone, Andrew, because... You know, you, you added that gravitas to the to the broadcast. I brought class, I like to think. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so um, uh, for those that don't know, Andrew is about to become a first-time father. And uh, so that's going to be um, pretty exciting for you. And I congratulate you and wish you all the luck in the world with that. I know you obviously have a house undergoing some renovations as well. And, and business is picking up at work. So... Uh, you know, I understand you having to go and, and Andrew will be with us, I think, unless the baby comes for one more, uh, one more rendition of Lion Lynx next Tuesday morning. Um, and then, uh, calling it a day, but yeah, it's, this is something that maybe, uh, we can revisit in a month or two, see how you're settling in with things. And if you want to come back to the podcast, we'd certainly be happy to have you back here on the mainland podcast, Andrew. I'm sure I will be happy to talk to my Mac two months after I've had a baby, believe me. Just standing here sitting alone in a room for any level of solitude will be something I dream of. 
you will start talking to it. You will start talking to perfect strangers in stores just because it's an adult that you get to talk to. <laughs> what, yeah. That's usually the, how it happens. So, um, again, best of luck to you. If for those of you that have been out there listening to us, we really appreciate you doing that. We we would ask that please leave us a nice review on iTunes because that's how we that's how we get more exposure, more notoriety, and we appreciate anything you can do in that front. Um, Please follow us on Twitter at the mainland, T H E M A N E L A N D, Maine like a lion's mane. Uh, also, we are at, we are uh, found on the web www.themainland.com, same spelling. And uh, please uh, follow, uh, like us on Facebook, and all that jazz. And uh, that will do it for episode 70 of the Mainland podcast. So for the final time, perhaps, on behalf of Andrew Harrison, <laughs> uh, I'm Michael Citro. Uh, oh, wow. I almost got out of here without the one big programming note. Uh, we're going to our monthly off-season schedule, so there there won't be one next week. We'll do one in November, one in December, one in January, one in February, possibly two in February as we ramp up uh, to the 2017 MLS season. But we are planning some big, big guests. Uh, that's all I can say about it now because nothing's confirmed. But uh, look for some uh, some heavy hitters this off season. And again, <laughs> one final time for Andrew Harrison. I am Michael Citro signing off, saying, "Go City!" <laughs>